Hello, and welcome to DMB On Demand, where we explore the music of DMB and the family therein. Take a seat, get comfortable, and welcome to the best of what's around. Welcome to DMB On Demand. Before we get to the interview, we'll take a moment to discuss some DMB history and news. We will have links to all information presented in the notes section of the episode on dmbondemand.com. Bridget here again. This time we're going back to 2009 and 2010. Finishing up Big Whiskey and the Grugrux King at New Orleans studio in early 2009, the band was able to incorporate much of material Leroy Moore had recorded during its 2008 sessions. His death catalyzed the latest sea change in the band's music, said the New York Times while Rolling Stone awarded the album four stars. Released on June 2nd, 2009, Big Whiskey and the Grugax King debuted at number one on the Billboard 200, making Dave Matthews Band one of only two groups in chart history to have five consecutive studio albums enter atop the chart. It was subsequently certified platinum and nominated for two Grammy Awards, Album of the Year and Best Rock Album. The band's July 5th, 2009 show in Lucca, Italy was captured on the three-CD set Europe 2009, which also featured the Across the Pond DVD from a show at London's Brixton Academy. Other 2009 live releases included volumes 14, 15, and 16 of the live track series and downloads of four early 1990s concert. In September, as what would have been Leroy's 48th birthday drew near, the Leroy Moore Fund, established by Moore's Trust, announced its college scholarship program. In 2010, Dave Matthews Band established the Bama Works Haiti Relief Fund to provide long-term support following the January 12th earthquake. Proceeds from a five-song EP, the Haiti Relief Project benefited the fund. Named the biggest ticket seller worldwide of the previous decade, DMB launched a European tour in February, shortly after its performance of the Grammy Award telecast. The summer, for, the summer tour featured headlining slots at the Bonnaroo and Hullabaloo and Mile High Music Festivals and shows at numerous stadiums, including City Field in Flushing, New York, documented on the two-disc live in New York City release later in that year. Tickets to the run's closing nights at Chicago's Wrigley Field sold out minutes after they went on sale. After a South American outing, Dave Matthews Band returned to the States for an arena tour that wrapped up at Charlottesville's John Paul Jones Arena. The hometown show was particularly poignant as DMB had announced plans to take 2011 off from touring. Volumes 17, 18, and 19 of the live track series and downloads of several historic DMB concerts were released in 2010, plus Matthews and Reynolds' two CD set live in Las Vegas.
Thanks, guys. Each week, we have an intimate conversation with a member of the DMB family. We explore how the music of Dave Matthews Band and the deep bonds within the DMB family have shaped their life. We come to realize that while each story is unique and the family as a whole is diverse, we are sewn together by one common thread. The members of Dave Matthews Band and the people who make up the DMB family are simply people who love. We hope you enjoy this week's interview. We have... Uh... A guest I've been looking forward to talking to over this past week as we've been conversating online. Uh, as you know, my name is Drew or Andrew, so is his. So we got we got two Andrews in the house today. Uh, I read over Andrew's submission to the form that I have everybody filled out, and I'm pretty excited to explore the music with him and to let you hear how it's impacted his life. I think it's going to be a good microcosm of what we're doing here, how the music hits us all differently, but there's this commonality underneath it that makes us part of the DMB family. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Andrew on. If you can just start with the basics, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell us you know, what you do for a living, what home life looks like. Uh, just kind of round us around you out as a person. Hey, Drew. Thank you for having me. Uh, yes, I go by Andrew, uh, but I've had many variations of that over the years, mostly involving my last name, uh, Fishman. Lots you can do there. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm Andrew. I'm 26 years old. Um, I live in Nashville, Tennessee with my girlfriend, Louise. Uh, and we have a little cat. Um, her name's Sergeant Pepper. Um, and yeah, I, I've lived in Nashville for a few years now. I'm originally from New York, uh, just outside New York City. And I've loved living in Nashville. I currently work as the curriculum and operations coordinator at a local preschool here. Um, I've been involved in the world of education for a few years now. And this is slightly different than uh, what I've mostly been working with, which is high school age students. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. Uh, to be at a preschool and to be on the administrative side of things as well. So it's been a, a little different than than usual, but it's been great. Um, and yeah, just uh, living life in Nashville is an interesting place to deal with COVID and all of that, but looking like things are uh, getting a little bit better these days, which is uh, very happy here. What would you say is the, the biggest difference in lifestyle between New York and Tennessee? I know going from one population to another can sometimes have benefits and downfalls. What, uh, what's been the, the most difficult part about that transition? So life in Tennessee is quite different than, than life in New York, actually. Um, yeah, so Nashville is actually a bigger city than where I actually grew up in New York which is, like I said, just outside of New York City. So I've, I've loved being in a city, but yeah, things are, are a little bit slower down here, um, which I don't necessarily mind. Um, and there's a lot of great barbecue, which I also don't necessarily mind. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I think the hardest part right now, especially during what this last year looked like is just being away from family. Most of my family is back on the East Coast. Um, and that's been a little more challenging than I, than I thought it was going to be um, living out here. But I've also been sort of gradually moving slightly farther away from New York over, over the years. So I, I went to college in Pittsburgh. And then I moved to Charlottesville, Virginia after that. Uh, and then to Nashville right from Charlottesville. So sort of been wor- working my way a little bit south. Um, so the transition, you know, but between New York and Nashville, um, it wasn't quite as stark as you might think, because I've sort of had that uh, gradual <laughs> descent into the southern US. So um, it's not a whole lot different than life in Virginia. Um, so it hasn't hit me that hard. But yeah, thinking about it, jumping from New York to Tennessee would probably have been uh, kind of a, a culture shock. I definitely understand what you mean about moving away from family. Uh, for those who don't know, my wife and I, we, we travel. Um, she is a traveling registered nurse. And so we've been at it for about two years. And of course, I can work from anywhere. I have an internet connection. Um, so every three to six months, we go to a different place. We've been up northeast in New Hampshire. Uh, we've been down south to Florida. We've been to Washington. We've been to California for three uh, three trips. We're back in California again for uh, maybe nine months or so in Santa Monica. And when we started our travels, we said we weren't going to pick where we wanted to settle down until we went to all the places that we wanted to go. We didn't want to get locked into one place. And so we've been casually talking about where we're going to settle down when we're done. And as much as we love California, as much as we love New Hampshire, uh, there's just the issue of being far away home from home. Um, when we finally settle down and start looking at a house and kids, we're definitely going to want that family support there. So um, I definitely understand that component about moving away from family and some of the things that could <clears throat> that can affect. Uh, all right, so let's just jump right into the DMB uh, part of the interview. Uh, I mean, that's what people came to hear. So um, we're going to start off with very basic questions, but most people find them the hardest because they have to pick a song, they have to pick a lyric, and that can be difficult. So when I ask you these questions coming up, if you don't have an all-time favorite, that's fine. Or if you don't have one all-time favorite, that's fine. You can go with whichever one hits that mark closest, or you can just default to what's your current favorite. So if you don't have an all-time favorite, just run with your current favorite. So first question is, what song do you like the best? Man, yeah, that's uh, simple on the surface, but pretty pretty challenging to really narrow it down. Um, I mean, I'll sort of avoid the question for a second and just say that I think part of what I love about the band is like their extensive catalog and how, you know, many different albums they have and, and live recordings and all of that. It's, so it is definitely challenging to pick one. All of that being said, um, I think I will have to go with my original favorite, which is still regarded as my all-time favorite in my eyes, which is Lie in Our Graves. Um, yeah, there's just just the combination of of the instrumental um, at the at the onset of the song and um, the mini jam that takes place in the studio version and and the extended jam that takes place live, um, building up to that awesome reprise. Um, 
and then the lyrics in the reprise that I would say narrow it down for me that make it my favorite song um, are those those final lyrics. Um, and, you know, you're waiting all this time to hear it and that anticipation is building. So I'm going to have to go with Lie in Our Graves. Kind of a funny story about that song. So I was turned on to the music of DMB through a girlfriend at the time. And uh, her best friend came to visit one day. We went out for dinner. And I had just started getting into the band a little bit. And frankly, I was doing it to appease my girlfriend. Um, and the best friend said, so I have a question for you. And this question depends or it, it depends upon whether I'm going to accept you or not. If you're dating her, you have to have a favorite DMB song. What is it? And it caught me off guard. And I knew some songs, Crash, Satellite, you know, the, the MTV stuff. Uh, but I didn't know any of the deeper songs that I knew the songs. I didn't know the title of them. So when asked that question, I said, I like the song about the guy sitting on top of the world with his legs hanging free. And of course that didn't give me any points with her best friend, but it got me points with her. So I've always kind of had a, a special place in my heart for that song. Um, all right, so the same question, except now we're going to talk about lyrics. Uh, so pick out your favorite lyric and let us know why it's your favorite. Or if you don't have an all-time, you can go with whatever's you know blowing your hair back right now. Yeah, so favorite lyric, um, as I just mentioned in the last answer, I feel like the reprise from Lion Our Graves is definitely, definitely a good one. Um, it's been influential in, in my own life and just sort of figuring out you know, how my life is going to go and, and making different decisions and all that. And I'll get more into that later in the interview. Um, but another, another lyric that I really like that a lot of people maybe don't think about as a favorite lyric, and it's probably not my favorite lyric either, but just one that I feel like deserves a, a little bit of a shout out is progress takes away what forever took to find, which is from the opening verse in the dreaming tree. Um, that line's just always really made me think. And um, it's just so interesting to think about the passage of time and the fact that we are connected to those in our past and will be connected to those in the future. Um, you know, progress seems like something that is always a good thing. You know, we're, we're building on our society and making it better. But it's it's interesting to think about it in the sense of, progress takes away what forever took to find, you know, those people in the past worked so hard to get to what their progress was. And then our progress kind of has wiped that away. It's just always something that's made me really think. And um, that's part of the beauty of Dave's lyrics. I feel like, uh, you know, there are some more, uh, you know, broader messages about life and all of that, which I certainly love as well. But um, every so often he throws a little doozy in there that really just makes you think for a minute. So I'll go with that for uh, favorite lyric at, at the moment. A few thoughts on that. Um, first of all, for the folks listening, a lot of times we have um, maybe an issue with a microphone or something like that where we have to repeat a question. And this is what just happened. And I want to go back to that and and talk about two things one you mentioned the office which i can't think of anything i love as much as dmb but the office is damn close and uh you know you also talked about from what we cut out um 
your your lyric in the dreaming tree because it's a small small lyric that can be overlooked sometimes and on the exact same way my my favorite lyric of all of their catalog is real small simple humble and it's skipped over especially the meaning until you stop and give it the attention it deserves it's from number 41 and it's simply i will bring water and it sounds like a real simple thing but the expression of not turning a blind eye to anybody in your life that needs their water and you have water. So it's kind of like the Cain and Abel, you know, am I brother's keeper? The answer is yes, you are very much your brother's keeper. And if you have water and they need water and you don't give it to them, there's some, I don't know, sin, I guess in that. And, uh, but my point is, is that I think you and I are going to get along famously since you're referencing the office and you're, you're zoned in on some of these smaller lyrics. I'm the same way. And as a follow up to your answer, there's one song in the dreaming tree that I've heard a thousand times and I love it. And the lyrics are, are profound to me and each lyric can mean something different. But to this day, I have yet to figure out what in the hell that song is about. Um, I know the components. I just, I, I can't put my fingers on what it's about. So in your opinion, what's the dreaming tree about? Man, that's a tough one to sort of dive in on. Um, definitely one of their more complex songs in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think that the lyric that I alluded to, um, you know, perhaps has more meaning to the overall meaning of the song than, than people think too. Um, cause I really, I think this song is about the passage of time in a, you know, in a general sense. Um, and time is kind of a, a tricky thing. Um, but this dreaming tree that he's singing about, whether it's a real tree or not, you know, it's something that is a, is a constant in, in time that is always changing. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's sort of just a study of, of time and how time in our life, you know, we, we grow old and, and we're children for so long, but we don't realize we're children, you know, like, uh, it's just, it's just, uh, about, yeah, the passage of time and sort of getting older and, and how, uh, time affects us in many, many different ways. I got a, a tough impromptu question, and if you can't sort out or, or single out an answer for it, I completely understand because if I was asked this question, it would take quite a bit for me to sit down and think of it. But in the context of the story, what in your life, what is your dreaming tree? Oh, um, that's a, that is a great question. Um, what is my dreaming tree? Well. I think it definitely is a question that uh, if I had a, a more time to be sitting down and thinking about it in depth, I could probably come up with a more poetic answer than this. Um, sure. But in in you know considering what we're talking about here, I'm going to go out on a limb, no pun intended, um, and say that uh, um, that actually like the music of DMB is is kind of a dreaming tree for me in, in the sense that. Um, you know, I, I absolutely, they're my all-time favorite band and everyone who, who knows me um, associates them with me. And that's something that I, that I absolutely love. 
Um, but it's, it's not like I'm constantly listening to their music or, you know, that's all that I listen to or all that I think about, you know, um, where like my close friends like to sort of joke around with me that, that, that is the case. Um, but I think for me, you know, whether I'm going through a, a period of listening to music where I'm listening to a lot of Dave or not so much, um, I think just, you know, knowing that it's out there and knowing the impact that it's had on me, um, that, that is a constant in my life and one that I feel like will be a constant even later in life. You know, I, I'm, it's hard to say, you know, 50 years from now, if I'll still be listening to DMB on, on the regular, you know, but I think knowing that the impact that it's had on me and how it's shaped me as a young man, um, just knowing that it's a constant for me, I feel like you could argue that the music of DMB is a dreaming tree for me as well. Um, again, more time to think about it. Probably could come up with something a little more poetic, but um, I think uh, I think I'm actually pretty happy with that answer off the cuff. Yeah, no, that was a that was a great answer. I mean, if I if we switched roles and you asked me that blindly, I don't I don't know if I'd be able to come up with anything to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> so that was that was very good answer. Um, so how long have you been? A, I'm not a big. I'm not a big, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. The DMB fans who have been to 8,322 shows and they hate half of the songs and they just tear them apart. I cannot stand whatever that, that term might be. So the question isn't to establish how good of a fan you are. It's just curiosity. Uh, how long have you been a fan for? Yes, I, I definitely know the type of fan that you're talking about. Um, yeah, so uh, I've been a fan since about 2007, 2008. Um, I specifically remember hearing them for the first time at my Jewish sleepaway camp in upstate New York. Um, one of my counselors on you know a random day, we're playing by the bunks, decided to put on the Live at Central Park concert. Um, which to this day is still my favorite live recording of DMB, um, probably because it was the first live DMB that I ever heard. But um, yeah, I, I vividly remember listening to that first Don't Drink the Water, the opener of that, and just being like, wow, like what is this? And um, then just getting really into them the rest of that summer. Um, and so then uh, the next summer... Um, was, uh, yeah, so that must have been 2007 because the next summer, 2008, um, Leroy Moore passes away and it happens to be on my birthday, uh, which I'm celebrating at camp. And I wake up, you know, all excited to be celebrating my birthday. Um, and I hear this news about Leroy from my counselors and, you know, it was, it was kind of a, a weird, oh, wow. uh, yeah, a weird, a weird moment of like, oh my gosh, you know, and. Yeah, it's supposed to be such a, a joyous day and whatever. And now it's like sort of clouded by this news. And it's, it's that, that was all I could think about. And um, so unfortunately, I never got to attend a concert where Leroy Moore was, was performing because um, my first concert was in 2009. Um, but yeah, that, that's one of, oddly enough, one of my earliest memories of the band is the passing of Leroy. Um, but yeah, so I've been a fan since 2007. 
first concert, 2009. Before you went to the live shows and, and the music blew you away, was there a song that you heard, whether it be on the radio or a CD or a, a stream? Was there a song that, that took you from like just kind of knowing who Dave Matthews Band is to really wanting to, to dig in a little bit? Yeah, so I mean, I think before hearing the the live at Central Park in two thousand seven, I, I must have heard you know Ants Marching Crash on the radio in, at some point in my life. Um, but it was really, I, I would have to say that whole live album. Um, I remember after that summer. I mean, this was before Spotify um, and even like iTunes was. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I guess it was fairly big, but I, I remember going to the library and getting the Live at Central Park CD um, and listening to that quite a bit. And then eventually, I, I guess I did download it on my like iPod mini, uh, which is so funny to think about. But yeah, really that, that whole live album, um, Live at Central Park, was very influential in sort of building my, my fandom. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess if, if I had to pick a single song, I mean, that, 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 again, that opening don't drink the water is, is so powerful. Um, and I also really loved the Jimmy thing from that show, um, where they do the, for what it's worth, um, in the middle, you know, and, and that was always something I thought was so cool. Um, so yeah, re really that whole album though, um, definitely helped me turn into the the fan that I am today for sure. I I feel you brother the uh Central Park show blew my hair back um specifically when Warren Haynes came out and I had known Warren Haynes or about the music for quite some time I was a big government mule fan and uh when he came out and they did uh, Cortez the Killer Man, I had never heard the song before, and I'm the type of person where I, when I'm listening to a song, I am actively listening. There are portraits going on inside of my head, painting pictures of what's being talked about. And Cortez, man, was that an amazing experience. And it turns out, as a matter of fact, that my first show that I went to wasn't until 2019, and I went to the Gorge for my first show. How awesome is that? Um they get, you know, into the set. And then he said, I want to bring out one of our good friends, Mr. Warren Haynes. And I looked at my wife and she had no idea what, what the expression meant on my face. But if she did, it would have been like a holy shit, I can't believe it. You know, this is one of the first songs that made me a fan. And my first time seeing him live, I get that song. I'm the luckiest dude on the planet Earth. So yeah, that that whole show holds a lot of weight for me as well. Um, and I'm sure the same could be said about quite a few other fans um so yeah oh go ahead no, sorry go ahead. sorry drew um yeah just to, to comment on that before the next question um yeah i mean the cortez is is unbelievable on that album um i'm extremely jealous because i've yeah not to be that fan whatever but you know i've been to a certain number of shows i won't even say it on here but i've been to quite a few shows and i've never heard cortez live I've been chasing it. Um, so uh, maybe one day I'm, I'm sure I will hear it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a great story and uh, definitely, definitely a standout from that album for me as well. 
Okay, so there's kind of a process or a, an evolution, I guess you could say, of a Dave Matthews Band fan. You have the casual person who's heard the songs on MTV when back in the 90s and maybe listens to one or two now and again. You have people who get turned on to the band by a friend or a live show, and then they become active fans. Um, and then some progress a little bit further and start chasing shows and going to as many as they can and really dive into it head first. Was there something, um, some people it's their first show they went to other people. It's an emotional tie to a song. Um, but is there, is there a song that kind of turned you from a, a fan into a, okay, I'm all in on this, the community facet, everything. Was there a song that kind of pushed you over the ledge, so to speak? Yes. Um, short answer, yes. Uh, definitely, I would have to say number 41. Um, the first time I heard that live, which was at my first live show, um, I mean, the, just the, the jam that they, that they do on that and um, some of those lyrics are just so profound. Um, 41 at my first live show definitely helped in that. Um, I would say, though, not to deviate from the question too much, but there were some other other non songs that I think helped elevate me to that level of fandom. Um, and one of one of those things was um, I, I actually for some time um, early on in my days of being a Dave fan, um, I would torrent uh, full shows from like antsmarching.org and other sites um, and just. I tried to like expose myself to so much of their live music as, as much as I could. Um, and I would look, um, for like cool set lists that had a bunch of songs that I really, you know, had been wanting to hear live or just like, Oh my God, they did 41 and line our graves and bartender all in a row. Like that's insane. Um, and I would, you know, seek out those shows and download them. And so, uh, on my, on my iTunes, which I don't even really use anymore. Um, I still have like, you know, dozens of these torrented shows, um, which I feel like dates me a little bit as well. Um, but definitely, um, you know, kind of relating back to what you do, Drew, uh, with DMB on demand, how, you know, much easier it is to get uh, into their live music besides just the live releases now. So I definitely yeah. thank you for that. And uh, if you we're doing that in um, like 2010. I probably wouldn't have to have torrented all of these shows, but <laughs> but yeah. But I mean, going through that process and just trying to immerse myself in their live music, besides just going to their concerts, um, I think that definitely definitely took me to the next level. So there's this feeling um, that I like, and it's when you're holding a magnet. And you're getting it close to something. And right beforehand, you can start to feel the pull of the magnet. And I like to hold it there for a second or two. Don't know why. Just like the feeling. And then let it just click and latch on. And then I'll pull it off a little bit. Just, just a little bit to feel that pressure again. And then let go and it snaps. So with DMB, there's kind of this time where you're super into the band You've seen some live shows. You start to talk to a few people at the live shows that you go to. And then all of a sudden, you realize that there's this bigger existential family 
unit there and the DMB family. And usually at that point, it's game over. You're you're in it for life at that point. And I was always curious as to how that came about for people. How did you first become aware of this community underneath the band, this family? And not only, you know, how did you get into that side of things, but what does that network mean to you? Absolutely. So I actually have kind of a funny story about uh, how to, how I got into that world. Um, and I'll try to not, you know, I'll try to condense it slightly. But so uh, I'm in college. Um, a lot of my friends are on Twitter. I did not have a Twitter. Um, and so my, my floor mates made like a parody Twitter account for me um, that they, you know, ran and would, you know, tweet funny things that I, they thought I would maybe say. And a lot of those had to do with Dave Matthews related stuff because they knew what kind of fan I was at that point. But uh, one day I decided, you know, I, I think I'd actually like to just take over the the Twitter account on my own and make it my real Twitter. Great. Um, so I get control of the Twitter and I, you know, I go to follow the band members and stuff. Um, and I see that Boyd um, had just tweeted out like, hey, Pittsburgh, you know, so excited to be, to be there tonight. Um, like, hope you can, hope you can make it to the screening of my movie. Um, and I was like, wait, what? Like I was in Pittsburgh and, uh, you know, the, what are the chances I take over my Twitter account on this day and Boyd is there then, uh, like right then. So, um, I tweet at Boyd, you know, like, Hey Boyd, you know, <laughs> I'm in Pittsburgh. I would love to come to, to your movie. Um, like how, how can we make that happen? Like half expecting him to, to not even answer me. Um, but he, ans- he answered me right away and connected me with, the, uh, to this woman named Megan, um, who was sort of running, um, the screening of his movie at a local Pittsburgh theater. Um, and I later learned that Boyd was sort of going around the country showing his movie at different, different theaters, um, and this woman, Megan, she just happened to be the representative that was organizing this event. So I ended up messaging her and she got some tickets for my friends and I. Um, and we went to the screening. Boyd was there. Um, I got a picture with him and uh, we, we watched the film and um, he even answered some questions after. It was so awesome. But um, Megan actually was sort of my entrance into this world of, you know, DMB family. and. Um, she is someone that I stayed in touch with, um, and I, I am still in touch with her. Um, every time that uh, I'd be back in Pittsburgh, um, which was mostly to see Dave shows, um, <laughs> we would connect with each other. Um, and she has then also introduced me to other, you know, DMB family in the Pittsburgh area. Um, some of whom I still keep in touch with. Some I've not done as good a job as keeping in touch with, but. Um, the last, you know, end of this story, which is, um, my mom and I went to a a show in Pittsburgh once I was no longer living there and we took the train. Um, and I messaged Megan about, uh, you know, Hey, do you, do you think you'd maybe be able to drive us to the concert? And she said, of course. And so she picked us up from our hotel and, uh, you know, we drove over together and I just, I, I always laugh when I think about how this all came about, but, you know, randomly deciding, Hey, I think I want a Twitter today led me to, you know, being able to get a ride from uh, who, someone who was otherwise just a stranger, um, <laughs> a ride to a Dave show and, and, you know, we got to tailgate together and just, it's just crazy how, you know, how connected we really can be. 
Well, that's a perfect segue into uh, the next set of questions. One of the things we try to do here on the podcast is explore how the music has shaped our lives. And we find that um, it's a very individual experience, but there's also a collective component to it. And the more and more these interviews that I do, the more the synchronicity kind of shows itself. And um, there's been a couple that have been through some dark spots in their life and didn't think that anybody had done anything or been through anything similar. They listened to an episode of the podcast and all of a sudden you find out that, holy shit, somebody else has been to that same kind of experience and had the same music impact that experience. And suddenly, even though you can be thousands of miles apart, never met, you realize that you have a bond with somebody who's been where you're at and been impacted by the music that you listen to as well. So that's really the heart of what we're trying to do here is to uh, explore that commonality. And, and if one person can feel a little less alone, then, I mean, it's, it's worth the effort. Um, so we typically ask uh, about a bad experience in your life and a good. I think for this particular time, we're going to start with a negative experience. Can you think of anything that in your life that has been particularly um, rough, tough to get through? Um, maybe kind of explain that situation and then tell us if there's a song that either helped you in the moment or maybe now looking back, it gives it context. Yeah, well, so, uh, I mean, I, I will preface this by saying that I consider myself extremely fortunate and lucky that I have not had to experience anything, you know, horribly traumatic in my life. And, um, I, you know, I had a great childhood and, and I'm, I've considered myself very lucky. Um, just going to preface with that. But that being said, um, actually, my, the moment that I that I feel like I want to talk about is from this past year, um, when my dad was diagnosed with lymphoma. Um, and you know, as as I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, um, I I live in Nashville. My family is all in New York, um, and it happened to be when I was home for uh, you know like our our Christmas vacation holiday break um, that. I accompanied my dad to a doctor's appointment and we got that news while I was home. And, um, it was, it was very difficult, um, thinking about going back to Nashville, um, knowing that he'd be there, um, going through chemo and other treatment. Um, and I, I mean, I think it's, it's that experience that really made that plus the COVID experience made me feel really far away, um, this past year plus. Um, but so one song that I sort of continually thought about throughout this whole year, um, is pig, uh, which is, uh, my, well, my mom, who's actually almost as huge a, D a DMB fan as I am, um, that, that is her favorite song. Um, and so the lyrics, um, from pig specifically, uh, like while, while you're dancing on the ground, don't think of life when you're gone. Um, cause I, I think, um, when I first heard this news about my dad, I sort of 
started getting ahead of myself of, you know, oh, I'm so far away. And, um, you know, how, how much time do I have with him? And uh, I'll also say before we get too far into it, that he, he thankfully is, is basically fully recovered, uh, from, from the lymphoma. It's, it's basically completely out of his body, which is incredible news. Um, but early on, yeah, thank you. Um, early on, you know, I, my, my thoughts were racing and, uh, all of this stuff, you know, like just scary to think about what might happen. Um, but so I would think back to that song, um, and, you know, sort of realized why, yeah, why, why am I getting ahead of myself like this when I should instead sort of be, I should instead be making the most of, you know, the time that we do have. And, and even though we're, you know, states apart from each other, um, how can, how can I sort of stay connected to him, um, and keep, you know, quote unquote, dancing on the ground together. So, um, yeah, it, you know, it, it, instead, um, it actually, this, the, the whole experience actually kind of brought my dad and I even closer together than we already were. Um, you know, we talk very regularly now, which wasn't always the case when I was in, in college. And I mean, like, uh, you know, I have a great relationship with my dad, but we talk very frequently now, which, which I'm so happy to have. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's to have something like that actually bring you closer with somebody. Um, well, I guess that actually makes kind of, kind of makes sense, but I don't know. I, I just thinking back to, to those lyrics that kind of grounded, helped ground me a little bit, um, stopped my mind from racing and actually, um, helped make this whole experience a positive one. I think that's what I meant more of like, you know, who would think that this, that there'd be positive to come from a diagnosis like that. But thankfully now that he's okay, um, I can, I can look at it as, you know, wow, that's really something that, that helped bring us even closer together. So, yeah. It sounds like it really brought you guys together. And that's, that's a great thing. It's not something that automatically happens. It takes certain kind of people to not just find that hope and that bond in those experiences, but to recognize them for what they are and not take them for granted. So kudos for knowing love when you see love. That's something that not everybody can say, to be honest. Um, all right, let's switch to the other side then. Can you think of a time in your life, one of those, you know, high note days that were just amazing? Uh, maybe explain that. And then if you have a song that, that influenced that or has some perspective on it, um, looking back, what, what that message was. Yeah. So I'm going to go slightly broader here. Um, I've, you know, I've had lots of great days and, um, Again, I'm very, I continually say how lucky I am uh, in, in my everyday life, but um, I'll go slightly broader to um, a moment where um, it ended up leading to a decision that has greatly positively influenced my, my life. Um, so after I graduated from college, um, I went back to New York for a year and, and lived at home and worked some odd jobs and um, also got myself um, applying to grad schools. Um, and right before, um, well, sorry, I'll back backtrack a second, not right before, but um, I, yeah, towards the end of, of, of that year, um, I sort of found myself at this crossroads of two options that I could, you know, 
choose between uh, for the next year. Uh, one of those was to take a teaching job in New York City. Um, well, yeah, yeah, and I was studying to become a, a high school teacher, and so I, one of those options was to take the job right away, um, and I would, you know, have a great salary and um, get some additional training and experience at, at a young age, which was very tempting. Um, but I, I knew that I didn't really want to be staying in the New York area at that time. Um, so that was sort of the pro and con there. And then the other side, um, I had gotten into University of Virginia grad school, um, where I would be paying for education instead of, you know, receiving a salary. Um, but I would get to live in Charlottesville, which I had always uh, wanted to do since I was applying to colleges, um, partially because of the Dave connection. Um, but so I was, yeah, I was just at this point and I didn't really know what to do. Um, I was weighing both options heavily. Um, and I thought back to, um, the lyrics I mentioned early, earliest on here from Lion Our Graves. Um, you know, I can't believe that we would lie in our graves, uh, wondering if we had spent our living days well. Um, and that's something that I, I've really, um, tried to think about almost every day, um, of, you know, how can I make this day one that I will live well? And so I, I thought of that and I realized, you know, if I take this job, I, I, I think I will spend a lot of my life wondering if it was the right choice. Um, and the thought of that, uh, was, was not appealing. You know, I, I don't want to be in my grave one day wondering, oh man, should I have gone to UVA instead? Um, and when I thought about the other side, I knew that if I decide to go to grad school, I, I wouldn't have that question in my head that that's, that's what I was meant to do. Um, and so I, I decided to do that. Um, and I got to live in Charlottesville, which was awesome. I, I got my master's degree, um, I met my current girlfriend there who was also a student at UVA. Um, and it's really just sort of propelled me into where I'm at today. Um, and I'm forever, you know, grateful for that. Um, and definitely can say at this point that I, that I made the right choice between those two. So, um, yeah, just, just thinking about, um, those lyrics and how it, you know, got me to where I am today. It's, it's, it's a kind of a special feeling. Very well said. So we've all had this moment in our lives where we're listening to music and then somebody pops in your head and you're like, I, I, I have to get this song to them. I, I have to. It just it rings bells and, and the message is something that they would appreciate and I just got to. So we're going to take that idea and expand it quite a bit bigger. If you were able to pick one song that – Everybody in the world would sit down and listen to one time. You got one shot to send a message. What song would you play for him? And why would you pick that particular song? So I feel like my answer to this question could probably change with the, you know, what our world looks like at any given time. Um, so I, I'm going to answer it from the thought of 2021, um, what, what our world looks like right now. Um, so it's not my, not my favorite Dave song. Um, it might even potentially be an unpopular 
pick, but I'm going to say it anyway, which is funny the way it is. Um, uh, and to me, I just feel like the message that that song um, could provide to our world right now would be extremely helpful. Um, you know, it, it, it really is quite simple. Um, but our world right now, I just feel like everyone seems a little bit entitled and, um, you know, maybe thinking the world really just revolves around them. Uh, and, and I feel like this song could just provide everybody a little bit per, of perspective um, that, you know, of course, everybody goes through their own hardships and I don't want to diminish that. But, you know, so is the person right next to you that you might be screaming at um, who might have lots of differences from you. Um, they might be going through things as well. Um, and so I, I just feel like this song could sort of humble our, our current world, um, which is something that I, I think we all could really benefit from. To continue on with um, getting your perspective uh, of life through the, the lens of the, the band and the music, rather, I'm going to ask a question, and the only caveat to the question is that your gratitude is assumed. So you don't need to say how thankful you are. That's assumed. I'd like to hear what you would like to tell the band if you were able to sit down with them for five minutes and say anything you want. Assuming gratitude, what would you tell the band? Oh, man. Well, um, I mean, I'll say first, even with assuming gratitude, I, I think I would just have to say thank you to them automatically just for, um, you know, the impact that they've had and, and not just on me, but on so many people. Um, aside from that, which because I feel like that is maybe not quite fully assuming gratitude, I just would have to say it. But aside from that, um, I have always really been genuinely curious um, to learn more about the setlist writing process because early on in my concert going, I was definitely a bit of a like setlist chaser, um, you know, notching songs off as I've heard them and, and chasing other songs. And, and to an extent, like I mentioned with Cortez, there are still songs that I, I would love to hear someday, but there's less of a, you know, I remember leaving some shows like actually genuinely upset that like, oh, I, you know, I heard five of those songs at the last concert. And, and to think about that now sounds so silly. Um, but I, I've just always been so genuinely curious. What is that process like? And, you know, I've heard interviews with Dave talking about it to an extent, but um, I feel like to be able to just sit down and, and ask them about that um, would, be, would be pretty cool insider information. Um, and then I would also really just love to sort of compare our experiences living in Charlottesville. Um, you know, I went to Miller's where Dave and a lot of the rest of the band got started. I've, I've been there dozens of times. Um, but, I, you know, it's just sort of going back to what we talked about earlier, just the passage of time and, and how that affects us all. And so I would just love to sort of pick their brains about what living in Charlottesville back then was like, um, you know, while the band was just getting started compared to uh, you know, a few years ago, um, while I was living there. So 
I think those those kind of questions I would want to ask them, uh, as well as a heartfelt thank you. You know, I've done quite a few of these interviews now, and there's always something in particular that, that the guest will do that I don't find with any other guest. Uh, there's always that unique quality. And with you, what I really appreciate about how you come to this interview is that when you hear a question before you do anything else, you kind of zoom out and get the long lens of it. And then you start to slowly zoom back in. I think that's brilliant to, to do that. Um, it's something that I'd like to try to learn to do a little bit more in my life. Uh, otherwise, you're going to miss quite a bit. So I really appreciate how you start zoomed out long lens and you zoom back in as your answer unfolds. Um, it's, it's pretty unique. Um, so uh, go ahead. So, sorry, I was just going to say, to say thanks. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like uh, I, I do really appreciate that. Just sort of a joke from it too is uh, it's more of my way of uh, <laughs> just thinking of, of uh, the right answer. Uh, not that there's a right or a wrong, but it's buying me a little bit of time. <laughs> but no, I, I'm, I'm mostly joking. I do appreciate that. I, I think um, it's just uh, a good way to sort of think about everything that you're about to say and everything that, that I have just heard too. So. All right. Fantastic. So the music means so many things to so many people. Um, and just like you said right now, there's no right or wrong answer here, but in your opinion, when you boil down the songs and you get right to the bottom of it, what's their music about what's the message of the music in your opinion yeah well um i think there's a lot of of options here um if if the question was what's one word to describe what their message is i would say that word is love um just i mean it comes up so so many times in their lyrics and and clearly Dave believes, you know, love is all you need for real. But um, since that wasn't the question, I will expand it slightly. Um, I, I think to me more so than that even is just to live your life as best as you can without sort of being, you know, feeling regretful about anything and just to appreciate everything that happens, whether it's good or bad. Um, of course, I, I, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but the, the line, our graves lyrics are, are certainly about that. I also think of dancing Nancy's of, um, you know, could I have been someone other than, than myself? Um, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of their music can sort of come back to that where Dave and, and the band are trying to project to us, you know, live your life and it's going to unfold how it's meant to. Um, and, and you shouldn't ever, look back at something and say, you know, why did that happen? Why, you know, why am I like this? Because everything that's happened in your life has happened for some sort of reason that's sort of shaped you into the person that you are, whether it was, you know, a, a positive or negative moment at the time, it's shaped you into who you are regardless. So uh, I, I think a lot of their music can really come back to that core idea. Um, and at least in my life, that message that I've taken from their music has been really helpful um, in 
enjoying my life and, and becoming who I am today. We all like things that we can relate to, uh, things we connect with on a personal level. And a lot of the time, uh, that item that we connect with is music. And I've noticed with DMB fans, they latch on to a handful of songs. And so that's what we kind of want to talk about now. If you had to pick three songs that you identify with the most, to know these songs is to know you. What would those three songs be? And uh, just kind of expand on it a little bit and, and tell us why uh, those three songs would be what you m most identify with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, I, I could probably pick a uh, you know quite a few more than three, uh, so I'll try to narrow it down. Um, the first one that does come to mind is uh, Forty One. Um, I feel like that number to me has just it's meant so much to me since I first heard that song. Um, I mean, I have you know a sticker of it on my laptop and. Um, it's my go-to like favorite number. And I feel like anyone that uh, knows me well, if they ever come across a 41 um, out in public or, you know, any point in their life, they usually try to take a picture of it and send it my way. Um, so 41 for me, um, it, it's definitely more than just a song. I feel like it's, it's part of, part of who I am to an extent, uh, both, both the number and the song. Um, I would also, this is another sort of um, potentially unpopular pick, but uh, it's, you know, it's about me. So I guess that doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, but I'm going to, I'm actually going to go with Virginia in the rain. Um, from oh, that's, a, that's a rare one. Yes. Um, and I'm actually, I'm, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I know it's kind of, kind of an out there one for sure. But so I, I'm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, how to really phrase this. So, yeah, I, I mean, to me, um, a, a large, another large part of DMB's music um, is finding beauty in simple things. Um, I, I feel like that um, that message definitely comes comes through to me, uh, also in some of their album artwork as well. Um, but so, to me, Virginia in the rain is a love song, um, but, but not about a person. It's, and part of is, you know, this connects to my, to my questioning of Dave about his time in Charlottesville too, because to me, it's, it's Dave finding this one little moment of like being in Virginia in the rain, this, you know, one time and, um, and that being such a beautiful moment. Um, and so to me, those lyrics of, um, you know, Forever doesn't seem long enough to, to me. In my mind, he is singing that to his hometown. Um, and having lived in Charlottesville, um, yeah, I mean, it, it it was honestly kind of a surreal experience for me to be living there, um, thinking about Dave being there. Um, and so that song to me just really connects us, like D Dave and I, um, which is kind of a, a special feeling. And so every time I hear that song, um, I think about Dave just kind of driving around in the rain in Virginia. And uh, I've done that 
plenty of times myself. And I don't know that that connection um, is is special to me for sure. Um, and then for the third, um, I, I am sort of going to pedal back to something I even just said before. Um, and, and also, I've done this a few times, and I apologize, but I'm going to not quite answer the question fully. I, I'm just going to say that the Before These Crowded Streets album um, is sort of all-encompassing there. Um, I actually have the, the rings from the album um, tattooed on my forearm. Um, and so everyone who sees me, people who know me or not, um, they, they will automatically associate that with me because it's, it's on my body. Um, but, uh, for me, the, those rings over that, you know, bustling city scene, um, has always really grounded me as well. Um, and also made me appreciate finding beauty in very simple things, which I I think is pretty special. Um, so I'm going to go with before these crowded streets and then I'll throw in a joke answer, which is big eyed fish. Um, my last name is Fishman. Growing up, many people called me Fish, Fishy, Fishman, whatever. So Big Eyed Fishman was always kind of like a, a funny DMB thing for me with my name. So that's a sort of a bonus joke song there. Okay, well, I think what we're going to do to end is to kind of give you an opportunity to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. If you want to double back to some of your answers and expand on them. Great. Um, also tell the people how they can find you on social media. And if you have any organizations or charities or anything like that, you, you want to get out there. Now's your time. The floor is yours. Oh, wow. Um, awesome. So I guess I'll start um, by, by giving a, a shout out to a song that I, I I'm surprised did not come up in our conversation because um, it's been a very influential song for me. Um, and that is "You Never Know" uh, from Busted Stuff. Um, mm, yeah. One of my all-time, all-time favorites. Like not just favorite DMB songs, but just one of my favorite songs ever. Um, and yeah, I just I love love the verse um, about driving in the car when you're small and and thinking the moon is chasing you. Um, those lyrics are just like some of the most beautiful to me. And now. Um, that I'm, I'm working with preschool age children. Um, I see that innocence, um, and, you know, simplicity of life, um, every day. And it's really, it's, it's beautiful. Um, and, and so hearing that song and specifically that verse, um, definitely, definitely is, is powerful for me, but yeah, so definitely just wanted to give that song a quick shout out, um, because it has been quite influential for me. Um, yeah. Uh, otherwise, I, I feel like I'm pretty happy with my my answers. Um, so nothing to quite double back on there. Um, but yeah, I'll give some some other shout outs. Um, I guess I'll start with charities. Um, so the first one that I'd want to shout out um, is the Shelby Park uh, Nature Center and, and Park. Um, it's a local park here in Nashville that uh, my girlfriend Louise and I frequent uh we run there you know we play catch there we we go for walks it's um it's a beautiful beautiful park um that lots of people get to to use and take advantage of and it's uh i'm just so happy that it exists um it's really made our nashville experience uh an extremely positive one 
Um, and so they always are open and taking donations. Um, so if you would like to support your local parks, even if you're not living in Nashville, um, Shelby Nature Center and uh, Park Shelby Bottoms is an amazing, amazing facility um, that's doing some great work. Um, on a broader scale, um, I also wanted to shout out the Dolly Parton Imagination Library. Um, Dolly Parton is a Nashville legend, um, but now um, she is, you know, inspiring a love of reading. I think that's her sort of tagline. Um, the, the, the charity gives gives away books for free um, to to young children, um, and our our center, our you know, our preschool has a, a lot of books from them and. Um, we also, you know, a large part of our population at our preschool is, is actually uh, quite well off and, and they're very fortunate in their lives as well. But, but that's not the case for a lot of people. Um, and so the Imagination Library is making sure that every child um, gets a chance to become a reader, uh, which is so, so, so important. So uh, that would be a, a major charity that I would definitely um, love to promote. Um, aside from that, some slightly more personal shout outs. Um, I mentioned my mom a couple of times, uh, on the, on the interview. Um, I've actually attended more Dave concerts with just her than anybody else. Um, she's a huge Dave fan. We have traveled all over the country, um, together to see them. Um, I've also gone with my whole family, uh, on vacations to go see Dave too. We're a Dave family. Um, but, but my mom definitely is the, the next biggest Dave fan I can think of. So I definitely want to give her a shout out. Um, she also has her own jewelry business. Um, it's called Stones and Stories. Um, sort of through the power of Dave's music, she, um, and, and many other facets, she has become quite spiritual, um, and, and connected to, um, a lot of gems and minerals and their healing properties and, and all that they can, uh, benefit your life. Um, and so she makes bracelets and earrings and, and, uh, necklaces and, and all of these beautiful, beautiful pieces of jewelry, um, that also come with, um, you know, some slightly more powerful energy than you might find at the, uh, jewelry store. So, um, if you could give her Instagram a follow, it's underscore stones, underscore and underscore stories. Um, that would be awesome. Um, and yeah, just mom, thanks for uh, being, being the next biggest Dave fan with me. I've, we've had great times together at Dave shows. Um, yeah, and also just a quick shout out to my girlfriend, Louise. Um, she's actually not a huge Dave fan. She, you know, she doesn't actively dislike them or anything, but um, she's always been extremely supportive in my fandom, uh, which time, I time greatly to break up. <laughs> it's a time to break up. She's not a Dave fan. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, I, it, I know it was uh, it was sort of a red flag early on, but uh, no, I, I'm I'm joking. Um, <laughs> yeah, she she's been extremely supportive um, and has even attended some concerts with me and and has said that she loves seeing me sort of in my element um, at, at those shows and so. Uh, thank you, Louise, for putting up with my uh, my crazy fandom. Um, I love you very much. Great. So I have one last question that wasn't on the form that you filled out, um, and it's one that I, I haven't asked before. I may start making it regular now, but I'm just quite not quite sure. 
So the people listening to this, uh, there's a good chance that more than a few of them are near their rock bottom. Uh, We have the COVID going on, people's families and their businesses. And I don't know. I just, I know quite a few people, just myself that are kind of broken right now. And, um, the one that I can think of, my, one of my best friends told me yesterday that on top of losing her job from COVID, uh, she was going into her second trimester and ended up not being, it was, there was a miscarriage and it was, it was pretty rough. And I know that she's not the exception there. Um, it's kind of rough lately. So assuming you have the ear of somebody who's in one of those predicaments, uh, what's one song you would want them to listen to? And and why would you want them to listen to that one song uh, at their, their moment, um, their low moment? Oh, yeah. Well, um, First, I'll just say I, I'm terribly sorry to hear about your friend. Um, and, and like you said, I'm sure there are, you know, hundreds, hundreds, thousands of other people um, dealing with with some pretty tough stuff right now. Um, one song. Um, I, I think I'll have to go with Pig. Um, I, I've mentioned it a couple of times throughout this interview. Um, but Pig for me um, is really just it it gives so much perspective on life um specifically coming to mind is um towards the end uh you know like here are we on this starry night staring into space i must say i feel as small as dust lying down here um you know on the surface that might sound like oh you know i'm small as dust and my pro- my problems don't matter like that that's not that's not what the that line means to me um, to, to me, it's more showing that we are just a speck in this greater, you know, power and, and this greater world um, that, you know, our problems absolutely matter to us in the moment. But, um, you know, we're just a we're just a speck in the history of of time. And um, to me, that feeling of, of feeling sm- so small um, it actually, I feel like it's something that can be reassuring um, during tough times of, you know, this, this world is so much bigger than, than I am um, and I should try as much as possible, even during challenging, difficult times to you know, find love, like, like the song also says to find love in it all. Um, and just appreciate the, the little speck of time that I do have, you know, in the greater universe. Welcome to the final segment for today. The way I heard it. We know there is such diversity within the DMB family or community. And for this reason alone, there will be differences in how we all interpret the music and the lyrics. Each week, we select a song and ask several fans to break down the song the way they heard it. Take a listen. Perhaps you would have heard the song in the same way, or perhaps you'll find a new appreciation of the song discussed. Enjoy! What's up, everybody? This is Eli Carr, and 
with the song that we're going to go over today is uh, Grace is Gone. Very excited to do this song. Um, one of my favorite Dave Matthews songs of all time, for sure. <clears throat> and if you've heard me talk about his music before, you're probably like, geez, every one of his songs is his favorite song. So <laughs> it depends on the mood, right? But um, I really, this song is amazing. Um, it's actually one of the first, I think it might even be the first uh, Dave Matthews song I learned on guitar. And um, it was just, the second I heard it, I was like, damn, it was just, it's a great song. And so I'm really, really super excited to go over this with y'all. And um, this is the way I heard it. So, um, I think the first time I heard this one was on YouTube. And he's got these AOL sessions um, up on there, which are amazing, by the way. If you haven't seen his AOL sessions, um, you need to definitely do that ASAP. <laughs> but um, let's go over some of the words here. Right in the beginning, he says... The picture is painted, and it says, <clears throat> Neon shines through smoky eyes tonight. It's 2 a.m., and I'm drunk again. It's heavy on my mind. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you're anything like me, like, <laughs> you've been there before, right? <laughs> and, uh, then once in a while, I still find myself in that, in that place on, <laughs> you know? But, um, like, so the neon shines through smoky eyes tonight it reminds me of a bar. It's a bar scene, right? Um, so, like, you can picture that, that neon sign in the background, you can even hear it buzzing, probably, and the way I see it, when it, when it, the way he says that, though, is, like, I could imagine, um, like, a camera, if it, if it was, like, a movie scene, I could imagine, like, a uh, camera, like, panning around the main character of the song, you know what I mean, and then, like, as it goes into his face, like, you kind of, like, you can see, like, the, like, he's holding a cigarette, or what, a cigar, whatever he's smoking, don't matter, but, like, the smoke's rolling up, and, you know, between you, between your view and his eyeballs, you know, and you can see, like, the neon sign in the background and stuff, and it just kind of sets that tone, and it's just kind of, like, he's, uh, kind of lost in his mind, or he's, not maybe not lost, but maybe stuck, I don't know, whatever word you want to use, but that's how I see it, anyways, kind of that bar scene, right, uh, he goes on to say, I could never love again so much as I loved you. Where you end, where I begin is like a river going through. And, um, so obviously it's like, I could never love again so much as I loved you. It's describing the importance of somebody that was, that he's, that he's describing, right? It's he's describing the importance of how much he loved this person. And my, one of my favorite things too is when, you know, like musicians are, People use rivers as like um, like metaphors or analogies, whatever the word you want to use, or like just the description of a river is so big, and I love it. So like where you end, where I begin is like a river going through. It's like rivers, you know, begin and end from something much bigger, like oceans or lake, whatever, whatever they're spilling into or or coming from, whatever, right? So it's, like, something much bigger. And then, like, how wild rivers can get. Like, the bends that they can have. And, like, the depth that some rivers have. 
um, rocky bottoms, you know, and soft bottoms, though, like clay. There's also, like, the rapids, real quick spots. There's danger. There's falls sometimes, you know, and there, but there's also, but the beauty around it and, like, um, it's, it's like the veins of the earth. Riffy, that's how I look at rivers. They're like the veins of earth. So they're super important. But, um, yeah, but how wild they can be. And every year they change, you know, like, well, around, around where I do, they live, like the ice can really chip away at the, at the uh, sides of rivers. And, you know, your, the river bend might not be there next year and it might be somewhere else or, you know, there's just amazing how, I don't know. Might be going a little bit too much on the river thing here, but it's important to me. So now, then, it's a big part of the song. I think I love it. I just love how the beginning goes. Um. So then he says, "Take my eyes and take my heart. I need them no more. If never again I fall upon the one I so adore." Uh, again, I think it's just hammering down the importance of the person. Take my eyes and take my heart. You can't. Well. I don't think you can really live without your heart. Not that I'm aware of anyways. Um, so it's like, that's a really important uh, organ that you that you need for life. And your eyeballs, too, are like, it's an important sense. It's a, it's a nice luxury to have that I believe, you know, most of us have that uh, <laughs> that nice sense that we can enjoy. So, and, But he's, he's like putting that on the table, saying like, take my eyes and take my heart. I need them no more. Because if never again I fall upon the one I so adore, like, um, again, kind of like a little bit ago, just hammering down the importance of, uh, this person. Um, and he goes on to say, excuse me, please, one more drink. Could you make it strong? Because I don't need to think that she broke my heart. My grace is gone. One more drink and I'll move on. <laughs> you know, and I think, again, so it's like kind of like, snapping out of that and talking to the bartender or it doesn't have to be at a bar but like that's how i see it yeah i'm talking to the bartender could you make one more drink please could you make it strong i don't need to think she broke my heart my grace is gone one more drink and i'll move on and uh the thing about grace in this song is interesting because not only is it a name right but like the definition of grace and like what grace is uh is important. So, like, I always wonder, like, is Grace a person? Like, a, like the literal name of somebody? Um, or is his Grace gone? You know, like, um, so, like, I got a couple of definitions right here of Grace that I'll share with you. That way, I don't seem like a total lunatic. <laughs> but, so, Grace, simple elegance or refinement of movement. Right, so, like, a dancer would have Grace or, um... Maybe, like, you could even say, like, martial arts. Um, anybody that has, like, a fluent um, movement. And, like, there's grace in that, right? Um, and then there's another really cool definition here. An attractively polite manner of behaving would be another noun for grace. Right? So he's saying that his grace is gone. So his elegance or his movement, his, um, his step. You know, kind of his, I don't know what you want to call it, but his grace is gone. Um, or his polite manner of behaving, like the social norm of maybe he's, you know, like drinking. I've always kind of called drinking as like a, a band-aid on something that needs stitched, right? So like, but that's, that's so attractively polite manner of behaving. 
the grace is gone. Usually we're not at our best when we're drinking, so it's like, but sometimes it's, sometimes, sometimes you need it, right? Um, whatever. But, um, then he goes on to say, one drink to remember, and then another to forget. How could I ever dream to find sweet love like you again? <laughs> so it's, I think it's cool too in this song, when he says, how, like, how many times one more drink, Right? I think that's so cool. Not only is like, does it cool when it just like goes with the song, right? Like it just sounds natural to say it in the song or, or like, hopefully I don't overuse this word, but like fluent, it just sounds like it fits in. Right. But like, I think it's important how many times he says that. So it's like drinking to excess in a way. And we'll, uh, we'll get to that. Um, we'll get to that again later. We're going to revisit that idea. But right now, um, one more drink. He says once right there. And then one more drink and I'll move on. There's two. There's one drink to remember, then another to forget. He's at four drinks right now. <laughs> so it's like he's having a good time. Well, well, kind of a good time. He's trying to, right? So it's like one drink to remember. Remembering good times. Remembering, like, what was, right? It's like reminiscing. I, do, I go through that all the time. And I think some of us even do, if not most. Whatever. Kind of remember the good times, right? A, a good drink will sometimes bring out the best and you'll remember things, whatever. But then, but then another to forget, um, cause you start getting sloppy after a while. Right. And he's like aware of this. That's how I see it. Like, um, after a while, it's like an emotional roller coaster. And again, that's why drinking is not always the, the best when you're going through like a situation. Cause like, especially when you're in a, an emotional situation, um, like then, cause drinking is just like, you're laughing and laughing and laughing, and you're like, oh, 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 oh my goodness gracious, you know, like, it, it's just like an emotional roller coaster, and, um, but that's, that's what this whole song is about, and I love, I just, it's, like I said earlier, like, I've been there before, and I'm sure most of us have, you know, um, it's, it's part of life, um, how could I ever dream to find sweet love like this again, and that, that's like, you know, if you ever lost someone or something, whatever, something that you loved, um, that's always that's always a question that I think everybody has asked themselves at one point or will. So it's important. Um, one drink to remember, then another to forget. Then he goes again and says, "Excuse me, please, one more drink." So he's at like five drinks now, I think. <laughs> so would you make it strong? Because I don't need to think that she broke my heart. My grace is gone. One more drink and I'll move on. So if you count that as another drink, maybe he didn't receive that in the first time. But I'm going to go ahead and say he received it, right? Because that's how I hear it. <laughs> but one more drink and I'll move on. So he's at like six drinks right now, if I believe. If I if my math is great, <laughs> right? But um, one more drink and I'll move on. Um, yeah, it's just... Uh, remembering things like uh, like like he was saying earlier one drink to remember and another to forget and um yeah alcohol it's like a, a band-aid on something that needs stitching because all and that's i like love the song freaking love the song um sorry i lost my place here uh oh <clears throat> the next uh verse i suppose would go you think of things impossible then the sun refused to shine. When I woke with you beside me, your cold hand laid in mine. So it's like, um, you think of things impossible, like, 
like um like a, like dreams, like or goals, things that you want to achieve, but like you're like ah, you talk yourself out of it perhaps, or um, I mean that's how I see it anyhow. Is like you think of things impossible, like um like I want to be, I don't know, whatever you want to be. I want to be an astronaut, but you think it's impossible, and but then the sun refused to shine, which like you don't think about the sun not well some people i would say most people don't think about the sun not shining or what like what would, i'll ask that question right now like what would happen man like if if the sun didn't shine tomorrow like what if you woke up and the sun was just gone well we'd probably be all gone immediately i imagine probably freeze or whatever happens i have no idea some scientists could explain that one better but you know what would happen like life would literally stop that would be it and I don't know how long it would take, but, like, if the sun decided, eh, just going to turn off, <laughs> like, it would be interesting. So something you might say is impossible, you know what I mean? But but then he's, a, he's, like, throwing the idea at you that it happens. So, like, you think of things impossible, then the sun refused to shine. It's like, uh-oh, it's kind of like a slap in the head from, like, like, from reality, you know? Um, that's how I, that's how I hear it. Um... When I woke with you beside me, your cold hand laid in mine. This is another interesting thing, because if his grace is gone, um, again, is grace a person? And, you know, I think the literal looking at that was your cold hand laid in mine. Um, you know, dead people's hands are cold, right? So it's like that, you know, if you literally look at it like that. But <clears throat> I also kind of look at it more like, um, when I woke with you beside me, your cold hand laid in mine, I had also just like a feeling like having like, you know, giving somebody like a cold shoulder or like, um, just being cold towards somebody can be like, um, how I, this is more how I see it actually is like, if you've been in like a relationship and things are going good for a few months or even years, whatever, whatever your, um, experience is, um, you know that feeling it's like that like people call it like the honeymoon stage you know like everything's all gravy baby you know chilling out doing your thing ain't nothing wrong with the world and all of a sudden you notice one day you get a you know, like you kiss that person or um hug like the hugs don't seem as tight you know what i mean or like the kiss was kind of just like eh. you know what i mean like something's different um but like that's more how i see it like when I woke with you beside me, your cold hand laid in mine, like, something's going on, like, like, feelings are leaving, perhaps. That's how I hear it. That's, that's the best way I can relate to it, anyhow. But then, here we go. Uh, excuse me, please, one more drink. Could you make it strong? Because I don't need to think that she broke my heart. My grace is gone. One more drink and I'll go. Excuse me, please, one more drink. Could you make it strong? Because I don't need to think she broke my heart. My grace is gone. One more drink and I'll move on. One more drink and I'll move on. One more drink, my grace is gone. Like, so, I know I kind of went through a whole lot there, but, um, you're a cold and laid mine. Yeah, so again, like, if we are at six drinks a minute ago, so there, now there's seven, make it strong, because I don't need to think my, she, or she broke my heart, my grace is gone. Um, 
one more drink and I'll go. If he gets that drink, that's eight. <laughs> then he goes again, excuse me, please, one more drink. You know, like, I love that, too. But that's a, a great part of the song is, like, on that very last one, um, just, like, mm, he just gets it. Oh, like, if you watch, like, any, I think he does it, like, just part of the song is, like, hammering that last, excuse me, please, one more drink. Um, it's loud, and, like, I've, it's just amazing. It's just an awesome, awesome song. And then he just kills it right there. Just is like, damn, he does that. He gets into his music, you know, and that's, this is one of them. And that that's at that point, um, that last, excuse me, please, one more drink. Could you make it strong? Cause I don't need to think she broke my heart. My grace is gone. One more drink and I'll move on. So if, if we're at eight drinks in the beginning, the very last time he gets three more. So that this whole song, he had 11 drinks that were stiff, <laughs> you know, like he, cause he's asking, could you make it strong? Cause I don't need to think she broke my heart. Um, so if he's received all these drinks, he's had 11 stiff drinks and his grace is gone. Some people might say his grace is gone, like not acting in a polite manner, right? Like not socially, like a lot of people might be like, Oh, it's too much to drink, but I don't know. When does it become too much? It's, it's interesting to me. It depends on the situation. It depends on lots of things. But, you know, he's admitting or at least saying that his grace is gone. Like his his elegance, his um, his thought, his mind, his um, just what grace was that we went over a minute ago. Like in the definitions, like his grace is gone. And so, um, or is it literally grace? Like a grace that like a person, like a girl's name, perhaps, right? I guess, it be, I guess it could be a dude's name too, but I've, I think I've only met women that have the name Grace, so, which is very beautiful, by the way, you're very lucky you've got that name, so I'll toss that out there too, but, yeah, um, this was my, one of my top favorite Dave Matthews songs, like if, again, if you've ever, if you've ever heard me talk about what's, you know, when, What's my favorite Dave song? I'll probably give you 10. <laughs> it depends on the day. This is one of them. Um, this was the first song that I've ever... The first Dave Matthews song that I that I wanted to learn. And from the AOL sessions, it's incredible. And um, it's... And I think... I don't remember if I mentioned this earlier, but the you know, watching it live, too. The first, like, I've been to a few Dave shows, and... Uh, the first time I got to hear this one was with him and Tim Reynolds over at Canandaigua, New York, at the C-Mac. And uh, I was, you know, it was, it was an awesome show. I can't remember which one it was, but, you know, I've been to a few of them. But there's, um, you know, it just brings a smile to my face every time you, when you're just watching him play it live. You know, and you hear it on the radio, you watch it on YouTube. It's all, it's all, it's all great, right? But watching the man play it for real is, um... It's, uh, gives you goosebumps, kind of, or it's like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's incredible. So, well, anyhow, I'm very lucky to be able to get this song done, and it was pretty cool. Andrew was like, hey, can you, you know, do one of these, uh, the way I heard it segments? And he was like, just choose whatever song you want, whatever you're feeling. And I was like, Oh heck yeah! So and I was like, this is the one I'm going with. So um, it's a great, it's a great tune. Um, I love it, and it's 
Yeah, very, very fortunate to be able to do this. So thank you very much, Andy. And hopefully you all enjoyed what I got to say. You're kind of diving in the mind of a crazy man. So, <laughs> um, you know, get in touch with us too and let us know what you think. If there's something I missed or, you know, if there's something, you know, something more that I need, need to think about, it'd be awesome. So thanks guys for your time. I really appreciate it. Y'all be good. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. Later. We want to give a special thanks to our guests and co-contributors for this episode of the podcast. Without your valuable contributions, we wouldn't be able to continue. We hope that you've enjoyed our deep dive into the music of DMB and the community that supports them. You can find us on all social media platforms by searching DMB On Demand. Visit us on dmbondemand.com for DMB-related merch and to learn more about DMB On Demand. Until next time, don't burn the day away.